0: They say life is stranger than fiction.
1: Here, these two characters have changed their sex quite in a dramatic way. And what happens is Janice Lester inside Kirk's body goes around a lot going like, oh, I feel so strong and I feel so like, powerful because I've got a man's body. And Janice Lester goes, oh, I feel so weak and terrible. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously
0: couldn't be possible. Or could it?
1: I work in astronomy and where we go and look at the universe and we study these explosions and how the universe evolves and stars evolve, and it's so wonderfully complex. And then you suddenly realise, oh, hang on, us individually Mm. and our society and the way we interact are wonderfully beautifully complex as well. Welcome to
0: Sci-Fi Sci-Fact. I'm Brian Crump and this is a podcast where we take science fiction's strangest ideas, weirdest elements, most unfeasible plot drivers, and explore if they could actually happen in real life. Maybe they already have. And in every episode, we bring in a scientist from New Zealand's McDiarmid Institute to explain the theories behind some of fiction's more fantastic flights of fancy. If any theory exists... In this episode, Jan Aldridge, Associate Professor of Physics at the University of Auckland, has the facts behind the science fiction of the Star Trek Mind-Body-Gender Swap episode, Turnabout Intruder. Where's Dr. McCoy? I am in charge now. Bring Dr. McCoy at once. He is
1: in command of medicine on this ship. He was taken off your case by Captain Kirk. By Captain Kirk. It was done for your own
0: protection, Dr. Lester. I
1: am not Janice Lester. She did this to me. Now, how can I make you understand? Janice has driven herself mad with jealousy, hatred, and ambition. (laughs) Nurse Chapel, bring Mr. Spock and Dr. McCoy to me at once. Now, they must believe I am not Janice Lester. I am imprisoned in her body, but I am not Janice Lester.
0: She is suffering from the delusion of being Captain Kirk.
1: I am not Janice Lester.
0: The paranoia has been developing for the past six months. The radiation seems to have intensified it.
1: She must be kept sedated. Shall I prepare a mild, sedative doctor?
0: Of course. Turnabout intruder. Now, what's the basic narrative here?
1: Um. Well, the basic narrative is, as usual, the Enterprise turns up on a planet and uh, they beam down, and um, there's and, the and the trouble starts. And the that, trouble—that's always where the trouble starts. Because that's not even go. Why do they always beam down? You
0: know, you think they'd hang out and sort of check things out before they beam, but no. Off they go, go into trouble, and but you know, yeah, yeah. Especially with it's the also inter- where the fun begins
1: too. Yeah, exactly. And with the commanding officer, like that's the worst thing to possibly do. Um, <laughs> so. Um, on the planet, there's uh, Dr Janice Lester and she's got a um, archaeological expedition to explore this uh, ruins in this alien um, world. And um, she knows Kirk from previously. And um, Kirk comes across, they come across this machine she's found and... Uh, Janice Lester uses it to effectively swap bodies with Captain Kirk. And so Kirk's mind ends up in Dr. Janice Lester's body and uh, Dr. Janice Lester's mind ends up in Kirk's body, which is where, you know, if, if you're looking for what this is about materials, it's about the brain itself and our bodies. And, like, they're probably some of the most complex materials in the universe. And it's, it's an interesting question to say, can you actually take someone's, what someone is, and sort of suck it out of them without taking their brain or anything out and transfer it into another body and it just makes me really feel like no because it's really weird when you try and think about it
0: I mean what is the what is the device that enables this mind-body swap?
1: Well it's just some like ancient piece of technology that they've discovered and this is typically whenever you see this in this trope um, within uh, science fiction because it's, it's come up time and time again it's just something they find because how to make it I mean so Who are you in your brain? You're this bunch of neurons with chemicals stored between the neurons, which is kind of your memories. And then your brain is structured in such a way, you've also got all the other things you've got, like how you speak, how you listen, how you look. And then you've got your bit about the thing that runs all your bodies. So you would have to measure all the atoms within your brain and then transfer those to somebody else's brain without actually getting inside them and moving those molecules at all. And while you're doing this, you've got to store one of the person's brains, which is actually quite a lot of information, and we don't probably have enough computing power or memory on the planet to actually store that much information, because once you've transferred the person over, you've got to then transfer them back. And so this kind of fantastical technology is normally you say, oh, it's kind of magic, in quotation marks, and someone else, some ancient civilization would have created it.
0: Right, and that's how they get around the whole issue here. It's just some alien voodooery. Kind yep. of thing, I, I do. No, I was trying to find the name of the actor that plays Doctor Janice Lester, who yep. then ends up playing Captain Kirk. Yeah. Um, and I, because I know somebody reckoned maybe it was you, Jan. Yeah, it would be me. This, yep. this, this is the best <laughs> ever actor to play Captain James T. Kirk in the whole of episode of the first series
1: of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. William yep. Shatner reach her heart out. Yeah. Yeah. So her name was uh, Sandra Smith. Ah. And, um, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And. It is, because when when they do this, and this is the problem with this trope, that if it's done well, the fact that you've changed, um, the two people have changed their sex, in effect, right? So actually, just to try and take this out, what do I mean by sex? I mean the body and the reproductive capability of that person's body. Whereas the gender is your gender identity, which is how you interact. And so those two things don't have to be the same. And here, these two characters have changed their sex quite in a dramatic way. And um, what happens is Janice Lester inside Kirk's body goes around a lot going like, oh, I feel so strong and I feel so like powerful because I've got a man's body. And Janice Lester goes, oh, I feel so weak and terrible. And, and it's kind of, I was trying to think that wouldn't really happen because, you know, you're going into somebody else's body that's vaguely fit. And so, you know, you wouldn't suddenly feel any different. You wouldn't suddenly feel like you've got you're less or more strong. Your brain would not know if you've transferred it correctly. Um, but it was just so funny. And so, yes, they do have these problems with these assumed differences between the sexes that one is inherently weaker than the other. I mean, all, all the implications of this are, are literally mind-blowing. Has yep.
0: anyone actually tried to carry out, and this is such a macabre question, a brain or head transplant on, on another yep. mammal?
1: Yeah, yeah. knowing us
0: humans, I'm guessing that we probably have at some point.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I mean, you're right. So there's no way we think we can do this by trying to reconnect or change memories. Um, I did see something that possibly people have done this with slugs or snails. But for a human brain, it's too complicated. So the only way around this would either be a head transplant or a brain transplant, which we've seen in um, episodes of X-Files, for instance. And also um, there's a terrible book by... um, Heideline which is uh, I Will Fear No Evil where the entire premise is a brain transplant and these haven't been done on humans but which I consider I mean I consider these experiments dubious, very dubiously ethical whether there's actually anything to be gained by them but um, head transplants have been carried out on animals, I mean you can find that in Google and it's, I would not recommend people if they're of a queasy Stomach to actually try and look these up, but it is possible. The problem is that you know you can transfer your head, but how do you connect that head up to the rest of the body so you can keep the heart pumping and you can actually use that body? And that's something we, we know there are cases where people are injured and the spinal column is disrupted and you lose all sense of and motion within your body. So we don't know how to repair and make those connections again. So, again, so the head transplant is a good idea or a Brain transplant, possible, but how on earth do you connect the brain up to the new body? That's something we just have no idea about.
0: Do Do you know if any head transplants and other, other mammals have actually been successful? Like the the, the the two mammals live because it takes two.
1: Well, well not, at least did you get one living one out of the two dead ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is always the problem with head transplants. What do you do with the donor? Um, <laughs> um, so as far as I understand it, the the mammal lived for for a time but did not live for a very long time and so you know then you would not actually let keep them living so yes it, it they could probably try and keep them alive but it's as long as you have them on life support because yeah. again the, the 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 system the body would just sit there and not do anything well, that's so that's the thing i mean
0: y- our brains don't They're not existing there in isolation. Exactly. Our brains are also taking in all the information from our senses, Mm. and our senses extend to the tips of our toes and fingers Mm. in terms of the sense of touch. There's a sense of smell, taste, sight, hearing, all those things. If you can't connect the brain up to all those things, then the brain's literally a a piece of matter in a dark pool in a flotation tank, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you see this in many um, science fiction uh, series where they have like a a brain floating in a tank. Um, And it's normally (laughs) in a bad mood. Yes. Well, how do you know? Because you can't talk to it. Well, the
0: ones Um... I've watched, the brain was in a a jar and it was peeved off. I can't remember what it was, but I can tell you the brain was not happy. It had a bad
1: attitude. I think now was a Doctor Who episode where this happens. It was a rogue time lord. Um, but then, yeah, let's not go down telepathy route because that's also technically impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> We've
0: got so much to cover here, Jim. Yeah,
1: yeah, but that's why um, if, if you wanted to choose between a brain and a head transplant, a head transplant might be better because at least you'll be able to talk and look and hear, but then you wouldn't be able to use your body unless we come up with some magical way and understand how to reconnect the neurons, which is difficult. So, yeah.
0: And th- this brings me to another question, Jan. What is the mind anyway? Now, I know you're a professor of physics, um, but I mean, what is the difference? I mean, as far as I know, the brain and even the brain and all its nervous and sensory um, endings mm. is still not the mind. I mean, the mind is when we talk about what happened with J- Dr. Lester and Captain mm. Kirk, we're talking about their minds being swapped yep. over, right? Yep. But what is the mind? Big Quick, science a, and the
1: physicist. We need a
0: philosopher. No. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, this is something we really want to understand, right? So we have people constantly or trying to work out how to make a computer brain interface, for example. And so people are actually trying to look at this and how our memories formed, because in some ways we're actually just a combination of our memories. And so it's where our memories are stored, I think, somewhere in the... Um, I think it's the cortex or the upper part of the brain where our reasoning is held, that's really what our mind is, and actually we are some of our memories and experiences and I was trying to think about this, you know it's interesting, because then also where does our creativity come from? How do we make these very different memories which are stored basically between neurons as different chemicals? Um, how do we, how does our processing system work? And so actually it's 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 a biological computer and it's an extremely complicated material, and there's so many connections that go on, but you um, Yes, that's an interesting question, but you bring up a good point just to try and raise this, that, you know, our mind is all these connections up in, I think it's the prefrontal cortex. But as you go through and you look at the brain structure and you go deeper on down, you find that you end up at the brain stem where a lot of the stuff about living is done. But then it's, as you said, like we're our entire bodies together, right? We're, We're affected by the hormones that flow through us. You know, why do we get angry? You know, if our brains were just on its own... There wouldn't be anything that would make us, there wouldn't be any adrenaline which would get us wound up. Um, And so, yeah, our brain, you're right, it's like when they transfer these two brains between these two people, are they, sorry, people, not purple, um, are they transferring the motor cortex as well? Or is there some fancy way of connecting up the memories to the brain? And so, actually, when you're trying to take apart the brain, you need to understand that to be able to try and transfer the two people. Um, And that makes my head hurt a little bit.
0: sir there is only one issue here is the story of life energy transfer believable this crew has been to many places in the galaxy they've been witness to many strange
1: events they are trained to know that what seems to be impossible often is possible given the scientific analysis of the phenomenon
0: mm-hmm. and mr spark have you ever heard of a case such as described by dr janice lester not precisely no Assuming that you are correct in your belief, do you expect Starfleet Command to place this, uh, this uh, person in command of the Enterprise? I expect only to reveal the truth. Now, there's another thing, and you, you touched on this before, and that mm-hmm. is around goes um, Janet Lester, who's now got Captain Kirk's mind... Body. Um and Janet Lester's body, and, and Kirk's mind is saying, oh, oh, I can't do anything anymore. Yep, yep. And Janet's now saying in Kirk's body, oh, I feel so powerful. You know, here's this interesting idea, some interesting assumptions about gender there. Yep. And you have been a trans person, well, I couldn't help but think that you must have some thoughts about this, Jan. I
1: mean, can you remember seeing this for the first time? um. No, but I can remember a lot of similar episodes because it's, it's, it's a trope that's been in many things, like Stargate um, and um, oh, so many other episodes just because of the switching. And actually, the, the, the earliest I can remember this is actually in Mission Impossible where they did the kind of the cheap version because there was always the one character that would pretend to be someone else. And of course, they achieved it with these realistic face masks that you see even now today in the Mission Impossible movies and even in the Marvel movies. Um, Which is kind of, you know, there it's not the same person, though. You're impersonating them. But that person would have also had to, like, learn the mannerisms. And it's actually interesting that, you know, actors can learn to pretend to be someone else by looking at their mannerisms and trying to change their voice. Um, But as a trans person, it's the idea that you can change your appearance and you don't have to look the same way is quite interesting. And when you look at this um, swap, if there wasn't any way to come back... I mean, this is one thing about the episode that's really unusual is... um, if uh, Janice Lester hadn't killed her old body, she would have stayed in Kirk's body. But because the other body is still alive, it's a temporary swap, and they suddenly, magically, even though they're not in the same room, switch back over um, before the end of the um, episode. Which, again, without the actual machinery to do that, I'm not sure how it happens. Um if... voodoo magic. <laughs> exactly, but... Um... I mean, the other reason why Janice has done this is because she wanted to be a starship captain and she thought it was her gender rather than her instability, um, which prevented her from being a starship captain. But it's an interesting question. Would she, if she was stuck in Kirk's body, actually have been happy in that body? And I think it's difficult to say because you can't, it's a hypothetical TV show. But also then when you look at Captain Kirk, if he was stuck in a woman's body, I think we'd all probably agree that he would be. Pretty unhappy, and would actually then start to actually try and transition to change his body back to being masculine, which you can do. And actually, in Star Trek, has been done in episodes of Deep Space Nine. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, being Captain James T.
0: Kirk, you just to seduce himself, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh <laughs> my life. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not think- as far as I'm going with that idea, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying so, to get myself
1: <laughs> under control here. Yeah, yeah. Some things are best uh, left <laughs> off the the laboratory um, theory do, table.
0: Do you think the whole the way that oversimplifies what gender is? Because and again, yep. you you mentioned this before. There's sex. There's 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 the um, genitalia that we might be born with, and then there's gender, and yep. gender is not the same thing, is it?
1: No, no. So. So sex is basically assigned to you when you're born by a doctor who knows you for five seconds and looks at you and he either assigns you into male, female or intersex. Because, you know, for some people, about 1% of births, there is um, no clear cut definition between whether they're male or female. Um, And that's uncertain. And that's actually quite complicated because this is something we're understanding about how our bodies work because not only our brain's complicated, our entire bodies are complicated in some sense. And gender is um, this social construct in which we interact with each other. And that can even be split up because, you know, you've got your gender identity very much. Are you man, woman or are you something else? I mean, the common term we use now is non-binary. And some people try and think, oh, that's between male and female. But the problem is with non-binary identities, you can always find someone who experiences gender in a different way or understands gender in a different way. So there's many different ways of trying to understand where you can be in this gender space and you don't have to be in the binary genders. Um, So, yeah, that's gender. But there's gender identity, which is your identity, who you are, and your expression, how you want to express that. Um, And, you know, I'm sure many of us knows that even men and women we know have vast majority of different types of gender expression in how they wish to express what their gender is. Um, Otherwise, it would be a pretty boring world if we was all quite the same.
0: And them and and Janet Lester, Doctor mm. Lester, touches on this mm. when she reaches the conclusion that maybe she can't be a a um, starship captain because she's female. Yeah, and that's probably back in 1969. More to do with society's ideas about gender. Yeah, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's an important thing. Whenever you're looking at science fiction, you need to look at it and remember these. The, the social norms of the time are reflected um, in those shows. I mean, you can actually see the progression of Star Trek from this episode um, to an episode in the uh, 80s or 90s um, where uh, they encounter a, a species that's entirely genderless. And, um, you know, Riker has... Uh, and so imagine this as a society, right? So at the moment we have, say, 95% of people in the male and female uh, genders and a few people that are a few percent that are in the in between. Consider the reverse of that, where you've got a society that's about ninety five percent genderless because they've evolved beyond gender, and then you've got a, a few percent of people who still believe they're one of the binary genders. And um, because this is Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, it's Riker who has the relationship with one of these genderless characters. And so, already there, you you see that even after about twenty or thirty years, Star Trek is trying to move on and explore something in a bit more detail. Um, and by the time you get to the later turn-of-the-century Deep Space Nine Voyager episodes where you have Captain Janeway, well, actually probably one of the best, or if not the best, starship captain, in my opinion. Um, And then you've got Deep Space Nine where you've got um, a character, Jadzia Dax, that's a combination of genders, even though she's female now. And it's very interesting when you take apart that, you know, because society has moved on, then you are able to explore these things in much more detail.
0: Now, there's one thing, well, there's several things... (laughs) that are out there in the future that may affect us Mm. and one is the ability for us to begin to 3d print body tissue Mm. and it strikes me that one thing that people might want to 3d print a male or female genitalia
1: yeah yeah i mean this is worthwhile saying this is centuries away because it's extremely difficult and if you look i mean people are pre-3D printing organs and very simple things now to be able to test drugs on them, for instance. Um, But it would be obviously good for everyone if we can do pre-3D print organs, not just for trans people so they can um, have a transition, although modern surgical techniques are really good. um, It's... it, it, and also the reason why this will happen is, you know, people want to live for longer. If they have like a, a, a heart disease or something, they can print themselves a new heart because we know that the list of organ, organ donors is always um, much shorter than the people who actually need organs. See, I wonder
0: whether people might, if they could, and you say it's a long time away, um, but, you know, I guess 100 years is a long time. In in and in and another, in another level, it's nothing, no time at all. Hmm. But... The other thing that might change is is as our ideas about gender become less fixed and more fluid, I mean just the, the, as you've pointed out in our discussions and even hinted at in this one, it's not it's really just your 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 genitalia is is just a little part of the story. Yeah. So maybe rather than people as in a hundred years oh, I I want those bits and I don't want these bits. My, well, I don't care what bits I've got because I express myself regardless of those bits. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which Do you think is that's thing.
0: more likely to happen?
1: Um, I, I think it's all of the above, right? Because humans are diverse and are very mixed up. And all of those options, I mean, some trans people are happy with their bodies. Others are not. And so it's, it's actually allowing society to have that, for people to have that freedom to be themselves. Um, and that's that's really quite important. Um, I mean, it's interesting you say this because there is one uh, story called Options by John Varley um, that's set in the future where um, you can get um, your uh, re- another body grown. It would probably be printed, in our current understanding, um, of the opposite sex. And so you can get your brain transplanted quite easily. And the thing they point out about this is that, you know, it actually makes... If, if everybody can actually experience life as the other sex and gender then um, you know make things much more equal Um, and this has been explored by other stories as well say um, Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin Um, and you're right though it's interesting that society has moved on right? and this is what's happening and so It's kind of funny because we want technological progress and assume that society and people and our understanding of ourselves and how we interact doesn't change. And we've already seen it has done, right? Because you can see social media, it's changed the way that people interact. And the same thing is happening for our understanding of ourselves and how we describe ourselves and how we want to express and interact with other people. Um, And it's just amazing that sometimes it can be so complex. And, you know, I work in astronomy and where we go and look at the universe and we study these explosions and how the universe evolves and stars evolve and it's so wonderfully complex and then you suddenly realise, oh, hang on, um, us individually mm. and our society and the way we interact are wonderfully, beautifully complex as well.
0: What's inside oh. everybody's brain
1: <laughs> yeah, is
0: remarkable. It's, it's like a mini universe. Yes, yes. and And this brings me to another line of inquiry and that is... Our own consciousness, whatever that might be, digitized. Mm. See if it was possible for me to download my consciousness, what's whatever it is that is in, in the brain, if it was possible mm. all those synapses or whatever they are, to download that digitally, then maybe that would be immortality and then I could choose I don't would I need to have a body anymore?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... I need to think about this one for a second. Um, The the short answer is no, but it'll be really, really boring. Um, I mean, again, this is in so many science fiction stories um, in the far future. It's thinking about this, it goes back to what our body actually is, right? So it is a biological computer, but it's very difficult because we don't really understand completely how it works. And so if you were to try and store the structure and recreate that in a computer, you may be able to recreate the person. Um, One cheap way of doing it which we can probably do today is um, I remember actually seeing William Shatner I think was talking about trying to get someone to design a bot that could carry on tweeting as him after he had died right I think and
0: such s- things actually exist already yeah, yeah. so I've the way- views on
1: them <laughs> okay right, okay so you're the expert good so the way Not I would- <laughs> I wasn't I didn't wasn't taking it that far Jan. <laughs> so the way you do this is you have some sort of machine learning um, algorithm that you train on uh, all the tweets of a person and then you know, then you can reproduce it. The problem with that is there's no creativity because that 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 bot would never learn and evolve. There wouldn't be anything. And then if they you try to introduce some random fluctuations to make it change and grow with age, um, would that actually then still be the same person you're trying to reproduce? So there's two aspects to this. One is you know, yes, we probably can make a simulation of the brain as it is, but the really interesting thing is, and that maybe. Philosophical question is even after a century of that thing, that simulation living, if it's allowed to learn, is it still the same person or not? As if it was a biological brain.
0: Well, would it be if it didn't have? See, if, if, if the mind consciousness doesn't have an ego, if it doesn't yeah. have an "I am," yeah, then what is it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. And a good why question. would
0: it want to be if it wasn't an "I am"?
1: Getting yeah. deep here. Yeah, we are. The alternative
0: is not I am, maybe it's we are.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that's somewhere else in some... I can't remember what it is, but it is that in the future you assume that all the consciousnesses are running one big computer all together and actually merge together, which is fine, and there are other examples of that kind of joint consciousness. But there's one other thing about this, which is when you're in a computer, you haven't got a body. And so that's fine, you've got your brain, you've got your connections, you've got your memories... But you don't have the feedback from like your 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 the rest of your body and you're moving around and your like your adrenaline and other hormones within your body that change how you feel and actually think, right? Because you know, you know what it's like. Normally you're driving along quite calmly, somebody does something stupid and you can get angry. That's where road rage comes from. So, you know, if we had ourselves downloaded into cars, we'd have very good drivers because you wouldn't have road rage because they couldn't get angry. Yeah. Um and then so it's it, it's it's there's a lot of things about uploading yourself to be immortal, but then I think you're kind of right in suggesting this question of how much is that the person? Do we lose something?
0: Yeah, unless um, unless we're able to stimulate this consciousness, then again mm. we're back where we were at the start of this conversation, imagining <laughs> a brain transplanted into another body but no connections with the nervous system. You might as mm. well just be in a flotation tank.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would be good because you'd be able to, say, download yourself into a space telescope and then you'll be able to see gamma rays. So in some ways there'll be disadvantages, but then you'd actually, I mean, because this is like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica, where, you know, they can go into these robotic bodies and, you know, rather than just having to have a computer screen to look at what you see, you'd be able to interact in the universe and like feel neutrinos going through you, maybe, if you had the right detectors. Do you
0: think it's plausible, given what you know of physics, just what you know of physics, Jan? (laughs) Because that's your area of specialty, Mm -hmm. that we could possibly one day have the tools that could download consciousness.
1: I I would say make a copy of the consciousness, right? So you'd still, you wouldn't, you may actually have to destroy the brain in doing it. But, and the question is, would you therefore ever know? Right? That you've been downloaded and dissected to make this computer simulation when you suddenly rebooted and you've got those connections. Um, And can we have consciousness, and this isn't such a
0: physical question, without (laughs) stimulus? Um, Without knowledge of stimulus?
1: Yeah, well, you can think, you just won't be able to interact, and so that will be extremely difficult because if you can't interact with anyone, we're we're all social creatures and actually the key thing is being able to interact with people and so without stimulus I think that, that would, it's not a good life But you'd still be thinking, I've forgotten about that, I think therefore I am. Yep, you would be but then why would you be thinking if you know that you'd never be able to share what you think with people, what's the point of me knowing something if I don't actually then get to go and talk about it to you for example, and so that more people get to learn it
0: Jan, it has been absolutely fabulating. It's been absolutely fascinating. (laughs) Now, fabsulating is is a word that comes out of my brain after trying to get my head around all that stuff. It's been fascinating, Jan. It's been lovely as well. Thanks for joining us.
1: You're more than welcome, Brian. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, hosted by me, Brian Crump, produced by Andrew Robertson, and, of course, made possible thanks to the incredible knowledge of those brilliant scientists at the MacDyver Institute. You can find more episodes of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on the RNZ podcast page. RNZ podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or pretty much wherever you might find your podcasts. And make sure to follow us so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic
1: is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com.